we are concluding our series into the wild today. And um, that's not the reason we forgot the, the, the haze machine on, so it's a little bit, we just forgot it on, actually, that's the only reason. But it, it, it's, it's because God's calling us to more. He's speaking to us, He's challenged us, He's been speaking to us through the incredible book of Acts and this challenge that you will receive power, not to be the nicest person you can be. You'll be, receive power, not so your meetings are powerful. You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and surely I will be with you always. There's this promise of power for the mission of God, and, and I'm telling you, it's the challenge that we are called to be part of God's story, and it's not so that our church services could be more wild. Whoa, you should go to that church. It's wild. And I've been in church when that's what church has been a part. And there's some moments where God comes upon. And if you read the book of Acts, there are wild moments. But it's about an everyday wildness and an, an, an untaming. I don't even know if that's a word. But if we can become less tame as the church. The church is too tame. We're too polite. Not with the gospel that saves lives. It's not the time to be polite. And I challenged last week that you're never going to share the gospel with someone in this world, if you're not convinced of a few things, number one, that every person needs Jesus. Oh, but look at them. They're really happy on Instagram, and it's all good. No, every single person needs Jesus. You won't share the gospel unless you are convinced of that thing. You're convinced. If you're convinced that we are under instruction and authority, Matthew 28, that sometimes we hold the great command of love one another, and my way to love one another is not to offend someone. That's not what it means. No, the great command comes with a great commission. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Go. With all authority, I send you. And it's a challenge. You've got to be convinced that we're under instruction. You've got to be convinced that it's who God is. He is a sending God. He, the Son was sent says, the Father sent me. There's, there's a reaching of God in His grace to reach a world that is lost and without His grace. And lastly, we've got to be convinced that heaven and hell are real. And that's a whole nother series and a whole other preach, but I'm telling you, as I've read the Bible and as I've read the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the end times, the revelation of Jesus, heaven and hell are real. And if you're not convinced, you'll never be convicted and you will never move into commissioning. In these things, if you're not convinced, the great commission becomes the great burden. Oh, I've got to tell someone about Jesus. They're going to be offended. They're not going to like me afterwards. <gasps> and the problem is, if we're not convinced, then evangelism, or when I say evangelism, I'm just talking about sharing about Jesus. I, I'm not talking about some campaign with someone standing on a billboard on a corner saying, turn or burn. Honestly, I think that's rubbish, personally. You're welcome. I, I, we just, we can differ. I don't see that as with the biblical display of presenting Jesus to people. And, and the problem is, if we're not convinced, we start making evangelism an extra event. So we only ever do, this is Outreach Sunday at church. Every Sunday at this church is Outreach Sunday. Every Sunday. That's why we do free coffees every Sunday. That's why we host people every Sunday. That's why the doors are open every Sunday. And, and during the week, we had a funeral this week for a family who do not know church, are not in community, and, and probably 98% of the people there are not in community, don't know Jesus. We'll do moments like that, not as outreach special moments, so that, you, oh, that's what we're doing. No, every moment of our lives is a wild moment where we get an opportunity to speak about Jesus. 
So we're in the book of Acts, and we're looking through, and I want to introduce us today to a guy called Philip the Evangelist. Now, there's a couple of Philips. There's actually four Philips in the book of Acts. We've just got one, and that's more than enough. His name's Gabriel Phillips, but that's not the Philip I'm talking about. See, you're a bit slow on that one, eh? But the Philip I want to speak about is not actually Philip the disciple, the apostle. I want to speak about Philip the evangelist. Actually, he was more known as Philip the deacon. He was one of the seven chosen to serve food, to make sure community happened, to make sure that there was enough food for everyone, to make sure there weren't squabbles within different races who were coming together in the church. And he was never, he was appointed spiritful to serve, just to serve. But as we follow his life, he was also there and he preached the gospel in Samaria and baptized. So he had a bit of a multifaceted kind of ministry. But he became known as Philip the Evangelist. Why? Because he went to Samaria where the gospel says, I'll give you power for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He just did what the Bible said. He wasn't specially anointed. He doesn't get a title. He just shared about Jesus and people got saved. Then he baptized them. And then the very next scripture, after the church is in trouble and you've just had Stephen stoned and it's all happening, it says the Spirit of God led him another way and he meets a man called the Ethiopian eunuch. But I just want to challenge us. I know some of you are coming to the end of the year, so your language, I need water. I, I realize it's the end of the year, so you want statistics. You're looking at the year, you want bar charts. I'm right, I know some of you are like, that's what you want. I'm going to give it to you. Just a couple of stats, maybe we can pop up the first one, please. How often, and this was a study, <clears> that was done in America of believers and they asked them a few simple questions. How often do you talk about spiritual matters with people who seem to share your beliefs? And the top line there says all the time. So from ages 20, 18 to 24, 36%, then it gets older, um, 42, 32, 45, 36. So the top two brackets of all the time and almost most of the time are almost 65% where we share beliefs. So we speak about our spiritual things. Then they said, the exact same question, but with people who don't share your beliefs. This is a study that's just come out. And it's almost the exact inverse. The exact. And so they said, well, why not? Again, a bar chart for you business people out there. You know, like this church, they just play, we got bar charts, people. We are serious. But what prevents you from sharing your faith? What prevents you from sharing your faith with people who don't share your faith? Because it's easy to talk about peop Jesus who to, with people who love Jesus. It's what the stats say. But why aren't we doing it with people who don't know Him yet? Well, the first one, I think, is pretty obvious, fear. And I'm sure there's multiple different fears in that mix. But fear stops us. And this is not a judgment. Please don't sit there and say, the pastor's telling me to go to someone. So I'm going to go to spa straight after this, and I'm just going to stand in front of the tail, and I'm saying, you need Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to help us, because I'm this too. I'm also this. The only time I ever took extra lessons at school was when the SCA was speaking publicly at the school, which was the Student Christian Association. I was like, I need extra mats this break. I can't. Because I was so insecure and full of fear. And so fear, lack of opportunity, interesting. Nothing, there's just nothing stopping me. I just, that's an honest answer. What's stopping you sharing Jesus? Nothing. Okay. 
unequipped, lack of interest, rejection, hostility, busy, other, too shy, inappropriate, insufficient relationship, hard to bring up, pushy, offense. These are just what the stats are. I want to speak today about sharing the gospel. I want to encourage you. We, we, <clears throat> even while we put up the things and we say invite people to think, and I realize there's a challenge there. This is not a church growth campaign. This is the mandate of the gospel. And too many believe the mandate of the church is to come and fill up buildings on Sundays of Christians, and we forget that the gospel, the great command, is take the gospel. Go and tell. And so I want to read from Acts chapter 8. There's some, been some significant shifts as you read Acts, and there's Stephen has been stoned, Paul is standing there, approved, and then they're approving it, then they're in Samaria, and there's some baptisms. And this is how the story goes. Acts chapter 8. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Where do you think would be the hardest place to preach the gospel right now? Or where do you think might be the best place to preach the gospel right now? So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, or Candace, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Understand this, the book of, the book of Deuteronomy that he would have referred to. Actually, let me get the letter. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb, like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet king talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of, me being bapt of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. Spirit of God, would you come? Would you speak to us through your word? Would you set your church ablaze this morning, I pray. Thank you, God. Amen. It's an incredible, incredible story, and there are these two main characters. The first is Philip, like I mentioned. Deacon Philip, someone who was called to serve the church. He didn't have a title, a special title of apostle or evangelist. He was a servant in the life of the church who allowed the Spirit of God to come inside of him. And then we encounter the eunuch. Now there's some barriers, and I'll explain the eunuch a bit more later, but there's some barriers that already exist before they encounter each other. The first one is cultural and social barriers. The, the, uh, there would have been this uncertainty of could he approach, couldn't he approach. There would have been the status of the eunuch who was a wealthy man who had presence in the, in, in the culture of that day. In society, he would have been a high status individual. He would have had thousands of followers on Instagram and he would have been living the bling life. 
That's what he was living. It says chariots, but they were spinning wheels and it, everything. Religious differences already. But this is a gospel for in the world. So I just want to give us three simple quick points about evangelism. And then the last point I want to take a little bit longer. The first one is this. If you want to share about Jesus, number one, you have to just start out. What do I mean? Well, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. We make this Christian life so deep. We want 37,000 confirmations. We're waiting for everyone in the church to prophesy over us. Rather than just reading the Bible and allowing the Spirit of God sometimes to lead us. Do you take the same road every day, sir or ma'am, to work? I'd encourage you, take a different route. Why? Because you never know where God wants to lead you. I'm not saying, what socks should I wear? That kind of Christianity. Tell me, Lord. I'm talking about a, a God-speaking moment where we have to be stopped and arrested in that moment and allow God to be God. And all Philip did was he allowed God to be God. It simply says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip. That's a pretty big thing. I haven't had an angel appear to me. I haven't. But I have had God speak in different ways, shapes, and forms. And then you get a decision. And I want to tell you, it's the obedience to follow God and to be sensitive to the Spirit that brings us to a place where opportunity exists. So on that bar chart, one of the things that says is no opportunity, 17%. I struggle to believe that. Not when I read of the Bible and I read the book of Acts and I'm reminded that Philip was just a guy who went from Jerusalem to Jejibia, Samaria. And God allowed him to encounter this life. If you want to... Live a life that sees people encountered. And here's the challenge, and we're not going to do it today. But so many people are in church for 30 years, have been on so many evangelism courses and Bible courses, but have never led someone to the Lord. Never. And please don't feel condemnation. Please don't. Stop it now. Feel encouragement towards the mission of God, that you play a big part. And it's not, I'm going to bring them to church so that the preacher can tell them about Jesus. Honestly, that's too low a standard of Christianity. You've got a testimony. Tell your story. And we're going to carry on with that. If point number two, if you want to encounter and see people come alive, and I'm telling you this because I've seen the life of God pour into people who were dead. There's nothing like being in that room. Nothing. World Cup final, Springboks winning by one point. Unbelievable. Sitting for, for someone whose life comes alive in the life of Christ. Next level. Secondly, this, and simply, I'm a simple guy, so it's simple. Stay near. So he started out on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Just on his way. Why? Because the God, God said, go there. He didn't say, go to a eunuch. He said, just go there. And on his way, he met a eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury, this man had gone, from, gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit of told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I mean, that's a bit weird, eh? Just the guy sitting in his chariot reading the Bible, there's Philip behind the chariot. Just, all the, oh, Philip, just stay near. He's just near. It's a little bit weird. And yet the problem is I can be so close to someone but not near. If you've ever flown on a six o'clock flight from Johannesburg to Cape Town on the end of a week and, and the person next to you is they're just that little bit sweaty and the arms touch. It's like ever, 
you get on a plane and there's someone you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like Jesus on this plane. And the guy sitting in his chair, he's spread eagle like this. He's got his, what do you call those things on? Those eye patch things. He's got his headphones on. His legs are spread out. You like can barely get in his seat. I think, don't think this one's gonna go well for the gospel. You can be so close to someone, but not near. You can. But the Spirit of God comes to him and says, don't get close to him, stay near. And he was so near, he could rehear him reading the book of Isaiah. Why is that provocative? Honestly, because the church has got a, a hide and seek mentality. We hide and we tell the world to seek us. But that's not the Bible. The Bible is go live your life out in the world. Don't live for Sundays. Live for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sharing your life with people. Whether you're shouting next to rugby fields in the city or soccer fields or whatever, whatever your thing is. Whether you're, you're engaging in the world in different ways, shape, or form. I just loved yesterday hanging out with Travis has got his church. And then I got to meet some of his old boarding school mates. And what we all both realized is he's been overconfident most of his life. We shared that story. That was the common theme. It might come up at the wedding. I'm not promising, but... But, but we got to engage, and, and, and they got, we got to get close to each other. I wanted to hear about their kids. I wanted to hear, I can tell you about Andrew and his kid on the way. I want to tell you about Jaeger and his family story on a farm. Why? Not because I have an agenda to tick a box, but because I just want to stay near. Because you just never know. And, and the gospel says, get close. And I want to tell you, here's the challenge. And, and I see Christians on Facebook, creating distance just by statements and embarrassing things. Proximity creates passion. Become, allow yourself to get close to people. And what you might find is you actually like them. But distance creates distortion. And that's what happens in our lives. We try to keep people at a distance and we get distorted ideas about them. And I'm telling you, the gospel says get close. So all of that gets out the way. So that the one big thing that really matters, the name of Jesus, can take the highest place. And it's amazing, he carries on, and, and Philip comes up to him and says, hey, you're reading Isaiah. And imagine the eunuch, he's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, where did you come from? Were you underneath the chariot? I mean, it's like, Philip, the, the ninja. Ah, Isaiah. He says, he says but, but do you understand what you're reading? Incredible question, eh? And he just says, well, how can I? It's the most honest answer. How can I? And here's what the Bible says. They can't. Without the Spirit of God, people can pour this down their mouths and into their brains, but without someone showing them Jesus and allowing the Spirit of God to illuminate the Scripture, they can't. But the problem is too many Christians are standing near the chariot, the BMW, the Ferrari, the clapped-out vehicle that's got three wheels and still moving in table view, and you're going, how can I? My, my life's not perfect. I didn't have a quiet time this morning. How, how can I go up and, and tell someone about Jesus? You don't know the thought I thought last night. How can I? But the, it's the wrong how can I. It's coming from the wrong person. Because it's not about how you can, it's about Jesus can. You've forgotten the robe of righteousness that has been placed upon you and the blood that is poured. And it's not about your ability, it's about His ability. And so we've got to stay close so that they can ask, how can I? I'm not trying to just G you up. I'm trying to give you a perspective that changes maybe, maybe, maybe how you encounter the person at the coffee shop you'll visit on the way to work tomorrow morning if you have that privilege. 
Why? Because their lives matter for eternity. And Jesus died for them. And we can get comfortable, and this room's pretty full, and we can have 300 people come and celebrate and dance our brains out to celebrate the dream party or, or, or the dream team but, and, and be so satisfied there, but I'm not satisfied. I've said it many times in this pulpit. I can't do church for the church for the rest of my life. I will go mad. We will end up fighting, and you won't laugh at my stories anymore. But when we go on mission together and our lives live for something bigger outside of the walls of this church, then we find fellowship, partnership, and the fruits of the Spirit in the midst of us. And, and, but the amazing thing, and let me just challenge you, every time you meet someone, I want to encourage you, have a scripture, or listen for the one they know and try and show them Jesus in it. Does that make sense? Every time I meet someone, I try and make sure I always take them to the scriptures at least once. So Philip didn't come and say, hey, you know, that, that's a good scripture. But let me tell you about my favorite. John 3 said, no, he didn't do that. Now, I know this was a different time and they only had the Torah and all of that. Yes, I know. But he didn't take them to, let me take you to Genesis. Because you can obviously read as I, but Genesis, God the creator. No, he said, let me show you Jesus in what you are reading. Because that's who you're looking for. So whether you're sitting someone and their life is a mess, Take them to, to, to the good shepherd and tell them, you, you, the Lord is my shepherd. That can be your statement too. And if you allow him to lead you, he'll lead you through the valleys and he'll take up the mountains and he'll take you through the treacherous waters. But take them to the scriptures. And here's where it gets even more challenging and interesting. Take them to the scriptures. Open a Bible if you can. But if you can't, get your phone out and open it on your phone and take them to the Bible. And Philip comes and he takes them to Jesus in the scriptures. Why? Because this is a sword, people, and we forget it. It's not a guide. It's not a road map. It's not replaced by an app like the old books we used to try to get around the town with. I told my kids we used to have a map book and try to get to someone's house by looking at it. They were like, what? Where was Waze? That is the question. Take me to the Bible. You're saying, Mark, I don't know if I can do that. No, you can, sir. You can, man. But here's where... I just want to take us for the last 10 minutes this morning. See, and I want to just tell you this. He came for the crushed. In our worldly system, you have Philip, just a deacon, just a server in the life of the church, just a faithful man serving coffee on a Sunday, whipping out a double cappuccino. Bobby! Someone making sure the church happened. Someone making sure that he prayed and was faithful and all those things. But then you've got... This Ethiopian eunuch. And, and the problem is we read the Bible and we forget the context and we don't, don't know how to place this. I'm going to help you. He's probably got 5,000 Instagram followers or more because he's actually a massive wealth fund manager for the queen. He's got bucks moving through his hands. He's flying on private jets. He, he's navigating life. He's not cattle class. He's first class. And sometimes he flies the planes if he wants to. This is the Ethiopian eunuch. His, his chariot is, is glittered with Armani and Gucci. He's sitting there in his Gucci slip, slops. And he, are you getting the picture? He, you've got Philip and you've got the Ethiopian eunuch in this world state. And the problem is we engage people like that. Philip engaged him like the Spirit just told him to stay near. And he's reading. And, but, but what's behind the facade? Well, what's behind the facade is a scripture in Isaiah 
that refers back to something that would have been from Deuteronomy in the Torah that this man would have known about. And it's from Deuteronomy 6. And here's the scripture. You haven't heard a church for a while. Gentlemen, hold on to your seats. <laughs> if a man's testicles are crushed, just breathe deep, guys. Just breathe deep. Or his penis is cut off. He may not be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm reading the Bible. These were the legalistic rules that existed upon the people. And this man would have known this. And he would have known because of the laws that existed from the Torah and the scriptures of Deuteronomy, he would have been excluded just from worshiping in an assembly. Why? Because he was a eunuch. Why? Because as a child, he would have been taken, a young boy, he would have had no choice in the matter. He would have been taken to a place he wouldn't have known what's going on. And as a young boy, they would have either crushed his testicles or removed his penis. That's what a eunuch is. They were set aside to serve in a capacity and it would have affected his whole life from that time. It would have affected the testosterone in his body that would not produce. His bones would have been weaker. He would have not developed muscles as other boys developed the muscles. He would have endured the shame of every teenager walking past him going, what's wrong with you? He would have had far less hair on his face, far less hair on his body. He would have been ridiculed his whole life so that one day he could fulfill a role where he could serve a queen so that he could never engage in any sexual encounter. Why? Just to fulfill that product. And he would have filled his life up with all the pleasures of that life, but he was still empty. And he was looking for something, and he's sitting in his chariot, his Lamborghini, his whatever, and he's reading Isaiah about someone who was crushed and someone who was cut off. And he goes, I've got to know. Was this him or was he speaking about someone else? His whole life, different. He says, how can I know? And then someone explains it to me. How can I know? I've spent my whole life hiding my shame. My whole life hiding the fact that I'm not like everyone else. I'm different. I'm crushed. And although man came and took it all away from me, and at the hands of mankind, I was set apart for a life of brokenness and no fruit in my life. In an era where your children were your, your riches. He's a man with no ability to reproduce, no ability to have sexual intimacy with anyone, no ability. Because someone took it away from him and he's reading about someone who was crushed. He's going, that's me in the Bible. And he reads the scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter or like a six-year-old boy to the hands of the castrator. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He spent his whole life regretting, not shouting, Stop! Dad! Mom! Someone stop this! But he regrets that he just walked quietly in obedience. He says, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. There's no justice for the castration of a young child. It's not justice. What has he done? Just a broken world and a broken system. Who can speak of his descendants? What descendants? There will be no descendants. There will be no children. Ever. That is taken away from you. For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch says, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? He wants to know who it is. And 
just reading Isaiah and I'm playing in my imagination because that's Isaiah 53 verse 6 and 7 and 8. But here's what it says in Isaiah 53 verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And he goes, stop, 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 Philip. It was the Lord's will. It was the Father's will to crush him. Why, Philip? I've got to know why. Because I've been crushed. Why would it be a Father's will to crush? I've wrestled my whole life. My father would have allowed me to be crushed. Why, Philip, why? And maybe it's work in a boardroom. Maybe it's you in a staff room. There's going to be a moment because every person in this world has been crushed in some way, shape, or form. And we find every facade to cover it over. And I have the privilege of going to watch my boy play sport in this in this city and I've gone to some pretty fancy schools and I've watched some pretty fancy cars roll up. And I'm telling you now, this is a crushing world. And people are shouting and we're celebrating and people are standing on platforms like Instagram and I hate to say it, but I watch a platform of a man who's been given platform in this world because he's, he's anti-woman, he's kind of anti-everything, he's just angry. And I'm going, sir, you're just a crushed man. You just need to know Jesus. And all these life things you're putting in place and these principles and all this money you're flashing and all this wealth that you think the world is so impressed by, it's just the evidence of crushing. You need Jesus. You need Jesus who sent his father, who his father said it was his will to crush him. Crush the son. I've got three sons. I've never hit them. I've never slapped them. I couldn't imagine crushing them. And there sits the Ethiopian eunuch in his status and his privilege and his high profile job at the top of his ladder. He says, What? says there's a king who knows me who allowed himself to be crushed so that I might be made whole and they carry on says but there's water why can't I be baptized it would have been the most humiliating thing in the day to all his regalia to take it off and his servants who would have been moving the carts around and he knew the reports would have gone back to the queen of Candace. Your man's lost his mind. He's lost more than that, but now he's lost his mind. As he got down in the waters next to the thing, he, there's Philip, just Philip. And I'm trying to tell you, I just want to be a Philip. I just want to be a Philip. Who do you want to be? I really don't want this to be some motivational talk so you go out and I have to tell someone about Jesus. It's not that. People are crushed. Sitting listening to mates. And I just, if you would allow, if you just stop in those moments of sitting with people from this world that have encountered Jesus and you just stop and say, Spirit of God, would you show me? I promise you now. You'll start crying. You'll start weeping as you realize people's lives are broken. 
They're broken. They're broken. They're broken. They're broken. I had someone reach out to me recently. Didn't have an idea of the influence they had. And behind the scenes, it's just chaos and a broken marriage and infidelity and all sorts of stuff. And I go look at, at their social media platform and they're apparently influencers of lots and lots and lots of people. I'm going, I don't understand. I wrestle it. Maybe I'm just too old. Maybe I missed it. But I'm going, there's nothing like sitting with one person and sharing the gospel. So, oh man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And Philip, we just get to hear of his story. All you hear more about him is later that he had four daughters and they were prophesying. So all you hear about him again. He's no big character. He's no big. He's just someone with a story about Jesus who knew Isaiah 53. And if you don't know Isaiah 53 and you can't pretty much quote it, I would charge you and tell you, go learn it off by heart. Because it's who Jesus is. He allowed himself to be crushed so that the crushed could be made whole. Into the wild is not a call to more evangelism meetings. And I don't think those are unhelpful. I grew up in a church where Friday afternoons, beachfront, playing worship, singing and preaching the gospel. I don't think it's necessarily unhelpful, but I'm telling you, if that's the whole thing we had our lives on, we've missed the big idea of go and tell. The big, big, much bigger idea. Can I invite the band up just for a moment? Can we stand? You guys are out? Just, um, I wrote something down and I can't find it, but I think it went something like this. The church is not set apart to be wild on Sundays, to save Sundays, but to save cities. It says, I've done church most of my life. I think I've done lifetimes of church. But I'm not here to do church, and neither are you. You know you're going to do church in heaven forever. We're going to sing the song that Louise sang, Holy, Holy. We're just going to keep singing it. And some of you who can't handle 20 minutes of worship, you're going to be challenged in heaven. Just saying. So our mission and mandate is not to get good at church. And that concerns me. It's like most people, ah, tick the box. Mm, week done till next Sunday. No, our mission is to tell people who've been crushed, people who've been cut off, people who don't know who he is, and they're just saying, how can I? But the Bible says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to say the gospel, to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the I want to ask you, if you want to see eunuchs of status in this world, come to know Jesus. I want to pray for you so that the church might be full of power to see the kingdom of God come. Can we close our eyes just for a moment and lift our hands to the king? I pray, Spirit of God, come now. Not because of my enthusiasm or eloquence, but because of your promises that the eunuchs could come 
that those who've been broken, bruised, beaten could come because you allowed your body to be crushed, broken, bruised, beaten, so the broken, bruised, and beaten could be made whole. Come, Spirit of God, and anoint your church. Anoint, 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 anoint your church. To tell, to tell, just to tell. Strip out the, the thoughts of how can I and strip and, and equip us and empower us with the power to tell of your good news. The good news that Jesus is alive. That because Jesus is alive, the dead can come to life. Because Jesus is alive, dead marriages can come to life. Because Jesus is alive, dead bodies can be healed. Because Jesus is alive. Come Jesus. Come Spirit of God. I want to take one moment now. Just one moment with eyes closed. If you are crushed through circumstance and situation, if you're saying, Mark, I've been crushed and I don't know how, I want to tell you how. It's Jesus. You've got to choose Jesus. You've got to allow Jesus. I've been crushed by circumstance. I've been crushed by health. I've been crushed by relationships. I've been crushed. I've been cut off from my family. I've been cut off from an inheritance. I've been cut off from financial health. It's Jesus. It's only ever been Jesus. It's not the church. It's not meetings on Sundays. It's Jesus. It's not your ability to worship and sing the songs that they play. It's just Jesus. If Jesus has not come into your life and brought healing and wholeness, I want to pray with you right now. And then we're going to sing a chorus of worship. But if you haven't made that decision to receive that grace, that love right now, would you lift your hand right now? And I want to pray with you. As we allow the Spirit of God come, thank you. Allow the Spirit of God come now. Are there more? Anyone else? Awesome. Thank you, God, for life. I declare life where there was death previously, life. Your glory and your splendor and your wonder, life. The stains would come off now. The lies that the enemy has spoken year after year, circumstance after situation, come off now and allow the Spirit of God to bring healing, wholeness. Let's worship our King who is glorious.